How's it going, Julie? Good, thanks, Bezo. How are you? What do you got for me this week? I've got Alchemy for you. Alchemy is a wine magazine from Melbourne. Wow. Done by four guys who used used to work in the wine industry. And then they're wine buffs, so they created this magazine. came out two years ago as one of the, one of the best wine magazines you could get in Australia. It's from Melbourne. It's really interesting to me how much magazines have changed. Mm. Like, I read a lot of magazines when I was a teenager, you know, from sport to music. Like, I think I bought every music magazine that came out, every movie magazine that came out that I could afford. Wow. And just even the, uh, like, the attitude, like, this is very well graphic design, you know. Yeah. They're, they're like, they're beautiful bits of art that, you know... Yes. Photography long, is beautiful. Writing long after they beautiful. sort of um, are current, you'd still want to have them sitting around mm. doing something. They're definitely something that you would keep, and also the fact that they don't have too many ads yep. is also a bonus. But the the writing, the articles are very well written, very well researched, and this particular issue they actually speak about um, Ben Shuri and his restaurant, okay, and his um, philosophies on food. So m- mostly wine with a bit of food in it? Yes. Yeah. And, and they're, they're sort of venturing a little bit out into other beverages now. So this one actually has um, a little article on tea mm-hmm. that was written by Melinda Halloran, who's also from Brisbane. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And so who is this aimed at just people interested in wine or is it aimed at restaurants? I don't think it's aimed at restaurants. I think it's for people who Just, who are serious about their wine, yeah. and also even for people like me who don't drink. I find the magazine quite an interesting read. Yeah, yeah. Just sort of like the the theory of it mm. more than anything else. Yeah, and they don't they cover um, brands that are not so well known as well. So more unique, more boutique um, styles. Well, this like. There's a real market for this sort of stuff because discovery's such a huge thing. Yeah. Like, you know, I've, I've even got the, my little file of if I have a nice wine in my cheap price range, yeah. I take a photo of it so that I can sort of... Um, I, and there's a Bleasdale one that I got onto that way. Someone gave me a bottle of the Mulberry Tree. Yeah. I love it. It's just really right in sort of the type of red wine that I like. Yeah. And, yeah, so... but how many different wines would be out there that I've got no idea mm. whether they're good or not mm. and that's the thing so I'm trying to get the at least one or two of the boys to come up to Brisbane to do an event with us yeah to do um, a wine event yeah okay cool Three years ago we did they sent up two of their two of their wines and we did a wine tasting in the shop it was really really successful a lot of the sommeliers yep. who read this magazine they all came and tried the wines and so we want to do something like maybe as a launch for the next issue, maybe. Yeah. And yeah. you got a couple of copies? Um, yes. Cool. I do. All right. Come and scrum some streets and grab those. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Bezo. See ya. See ya. We, we, we should write about things that we like, like, like food. That's right. You bugging us. Definitely, you know it. We're going to be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. Oh, wait. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Just spaghetti in here. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass-fed? Yes. Cruelty-free? What's so special about the cheese maker? As the saying goes, 
are what you eat, and I am freaking cheese. Hey Mike, how you going? Good, busy. Welcome to Cheesy, the podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. Enjoying your wine? I am. Love Kunawara Cab Save. Mm. So you run a, um, uh, what, what would you call it, a boutique Italian restaurant? Um, um, oh look, it's more, it's an Italian cafe really. Yeah, it's okay. an Italian cafe, um, really small, um, and you know, really kind of inspired by um, a lot of the bars that I'd I'd been to in Milan. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm actually an optometrist, and um, so I used to go to Milan once a year to do buying for the store. Oh, okay, cool. And that's a that's a nice excuse. Yeah, it is. A, it is a good excuse, and um, and uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed the bars and the cafes in, in Milan and I was really inspired by a couple of things by how, how old and traditional they were yeah yeah there was no magic trick or uh, it was a time tested so like those sort of places because um, I've had a couple of mates that have gone overseas and uh, foodies and sort of mm. try and search those places out and they're uh, very regular based you know like yep. they've got their clientele that local. That, that come back local mm. you know that really want to eat good food sort of good local food is, yep. is that how does Brisbane still translate that way even without the cultural sort of push behind it to do that sort of eating I think there's definitely an element of it and I think people are travelling less now too people in terms of uh, travelling within your city to, to eat like yeah okay people as I know as I get older um, yeah um, I don't want to get in the car as much, so it is yeah. nice to kind of have that's right your local place. It's nice to be walking there. That's one of the. Um, I live sort of outside of Brisbane, I guess, down towards Tambourine, mm. and the lack of somewhere close that's good and reliable. Um, you know, there's the sort of beer taverns and stuff like that, but the yeah. foods there is pretty much. A step up from McDonald's, yeah. And, and like for me, who can cook easily and quickly, yeah, something way better at home. Um, the trade-off between, you know, having a nice night out and having someone cook for mm. you is, but yeah, I'd I'd just kill, yeah. Um, and Ben was actually saying he's got a mate that's moved out to, maybe to the Gap or somewhere, mm. and has a little bistro out there and is absolutely killing it out there. And I reckon you would, definitely. You know, especially if you've only got like a. Like how mm. how many people? Are you, what's your we, sort of capacity? Maximum thirty four. Wow. So that, um, yeah, that's not real big. Yeah. And we're in the guts of the city. We are like in, oh, right. in the CBD. So you you've only got to attract a very small percentage of the people walking past to yep. to be going yep. well. We're, and we're we're a little bit destination. Even saying that we're in the city, um, because we're hidden hidden away in a little uh, arcade, but a beautiful historic little arcade. Yeah, Tattlesall's arcade. And um, so. Uh, it'd be one of those places that people that go there wouldn't want to be telling everyone because no. they want to keep it to themselves. No. And I think that's why um, we didn't want to start with a big bang and do a big PR campaign and yeah, big, just let it grow organically. Just let it grow organically because it's always more solid. Yeah. So so, um, and that's what's been happening. So l- lunch and dinner. Lunch and dinner. Oh uh, yeah. no, no. Sorry, breakfast and lunch. Breakfast and lunch. Sorry, oh, breakfast okay. and lunch. No dinner. So how do you find? Um, 
it might be maybe it's a bit different if you're an owner but how do you find breakfast because ben and i were talking a couple of weeks before mm. and he was like oh, i hate breakfast all mm. chefs hate breakfast mm. how do you guys go with, with Look, breakfast uh for us it's it's uh breakfast is way more coffee based in the city yeah a lot of people in the city don't eat breakfast they'll yep. have a coffee and maybe something a, a pastry yeah which is exactly what they do in italy which is why i knew this would kind of work it's sort of fast but 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 they'd want a really good pastry whether it's a sfogliatello or, yeah. or a cannoli um and then that's it till lunch yep and um well i know like just um you know i, I do a bit of repping for work and when i used to do sort of repping five days four days a week mm. um like I would base my whole day around a cafe that made a good coffee or made a good Danish yeah. or made a good burger for lunch like you know those sort of decisions sort of mapped out my yep. whole day and map out the day that's right um, um, and it can make, make such a difference too like there's nothing worse than absolutely. going somewhere and finding it's closed on, yeah. a, on, on a Monday or something and <laughs> you, wanted a, you wanted a coffee yeah I think um, yeah I think for breakfast yeah breakfast um, we, we, we out, we're quite challenged in a way because we don't have a full kitchen yeah we couldn't have uh, a proper exhaust or a grease trap or anything like that okay so we can't deep fry we can't grill we can't sear oh, right. um, so um when i realized that <laughs> <laughs> after i signed the lease yeah um it it, it I, I i like a challenge like that yeah. and i just think okay well what, what do we want this to be and you know, steaks are out, all that sort of stuff's out. But a lot of Italian food isn't grilled or seared. No. You know, a lot of it is... So you could do like a ragu and pasta and absolutely, all those sort of things. Yeah. Absolutely. And and we, you know, all, there's a lot of modern technology in, in, in yeah. cookware now. And uh, we used, uh, we invested in this tiny, tiny entry level uh, 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 oven called the Turbo Chef. Oh, you okay. heard of it? Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, and I sort of I did a bit I did a lot of research on it yeah. and I thought look this will be great for for achieving this part of the menu and the rest is easy we just need a good pastry oven uh, again the smallest possible pastry oven um, and uh, and then a little portable induction top yep and sous vide yeah yeah and I've um I just uh, one of our suppliers suppliers that sort of big equipment and um, I had to do a, a cooking demo for a chain of IGAs and I really wanted to get my hands on a CV machine mm. to sort of because I had a very limited window that I could do this demo and I had to cook five or six things and I wanted to make sure that they were bang on in that window so I was like well if I can CV prior prior then I can know I can just you know finish, finish them off bang 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 they're going to taste fantastic yeah. so he lent me their their demo one but I'll tell you what I was like I fell in love with it <laughs> oh man they're really addictive I um the timing was good for me because um you can buy some really really powerful well priced mm. domestic sous vide oh okay there are two at the moment one is uh, Anova they, they brought out the first one a couple of years ago um and they're basically huge huge cylinders yep and you can clip it onto a square plastic bucket bucket yeah or a steel whatever. Well, that's that's what this one is. It's just you okay. put it into a nally tub, basically, or a, or a bin, and and it and it's, it's quite compact. Yeah, it's like well, you know, the size of this laptop, but you know, I don't know, twenty yeah. centimeters thick. Okay. Um, and there's another one that just came out 
um, which is a bit better than the Nova and it's a Wi-Fi enabled one, so you can uh, oh yeah, turn it be, off yeah yeah um, uh, by uh, this 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 group I don't know I don't know who, who it is um, but it's American it's called Chef Steps yeah do you follow them no but I've heard a couple of guys on some tech podcasts I listen to and there's one in the states that you put it in the water and it chills the water so like you can put it in when you go to work or you can put it in the night before and it'll keep it cold until until, until you've programmed it to wake up or wow. from home you go turn my steak on that and then so you, cool. you come home and flash fry yeah. your, your steak in your pan and it's done that's so cool and there's a there's a real community um, online um, like an amateur community that that is sous vide eating at home and really pushing the boundaries and yeah, experimenting trying a whole heap yeah. of different things I'm really into meat yeah. and I um, ended up uh, buying a chuck steak yep uh, a, a big chuck steak which I cut into super fat steaks yep and um, tied it within the steak and then sous vide that for uh, about three and a half days oh wow at uh, 58 59 yep Celsius um, my wife's a vegetarian <laughs> <laughs> she was not happy about this uh, pot that just never seemed to leave the kitchen mm. Vanessa, um, Vanessa feels like that about some of my stocks that I'm like oh I couldn't be bugged I you know, couldn't be asked <laughs> down packing that stock I'll just let it cook for another day yeah 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 stock oh. um, so uh, yeah I was doing that and then see you that yeah and it was incredible. Yeah. Like, it was just like butter. Well, well those, those hard-working muscles are the ones that have the most yeah, flavour. Like, um, I gave Ben some, and, and um, we, I, I use them at work. We've got these dry-age bags that are basically like a cryovac bag that let the moisture out, but no moisture in. Wow. But when we, when we did them, and when we do anything at work, we really like to test it thoroughly. We don't like sort of just dumping something out and then going, hey, this is mm. cool new tech. So we did steaks that, you know, 21 days, 30 days, 50 days. Um, and then wow. I said to my boss, I said, let's try a leg of lamb. So we got a leg of lamb. With bone? Bone in. Let's put a little bit of um, bone guard on it so it wouldn't pierce the bag. And I, the guy I got it off, I said, look, I, I want something that's closer to mutton. Give me something that's going to be tough normally, but has really good flavour. And so we did that. 21 and 35 days and the leg of lamb 35 days didn't even have to trim it it was just so dry um really concentrated yeah just put it in very dark but at the same thing it was just that that tenderness um off the you know compared to the um mm. uh but the with the flavor it was just fantastic i think it's i think it's awesome that we're appreciating dry aging again you know yeah. and 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 which is really you know subtle fermentation yes and uh the first time I, I came across it in as an adult was uh, maybe 16, 17 years ago when we were living in the UK and uh, and they would hang meat there, yeah. you know, pheasant and whatever. And I'd never heard of hanging meat because I was a Queenslander and we don't do that here because no. of the heat. Um, but I remember tasting it for the first time just being blown yeah. away. Well, like, my, my boss, he's a Kiwi and on South Island and butchered, was a butcher in the South Island and, mm. and yeah, he's like, you know, you leave it until it's just about to go rotten. You know, you get it the day before, yep. and it's just amazing. Each of its life, literally. Um, yeah, he, he was um, he was a big proponent of that. Mm. But yeah, Aldi always have a little home domestic small sous vide machine. Once a year, they run that for like ninety bucks. Mm. Um, 
and they must be pretty good because they always sell out mm. super super quick um, but I think if I see them again this year I might grab one yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but those combi ovens they're fantastic I'd love to have one of them in my yep. house yeah look um, the, 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 the oven that we use at my Kenny Fur Pastries is a Turbo fan, yeah, which is the the big pastry oven, and uh, it's amazing. Yeah, um, small, compact, and uh, and just you know a, a lot of the stuff we we we, uh, we do a lot of croissants for Nutella, which is layered pastry. Yep. So you want a really good rise on that. Um, it's beautiful and it's really forgiving as well. So, so do you use a lot of steam with that? A lot of moisture in the air. Uh, well, no, we don't. No, actually, no. It's it's a it's a basic entry level model, and so we just work our menu around that. Yeah. You know? um, we still get amazing, amazing results, um, especially with our croissants. We yeah. get croissants from Normandy. Um, we fly them in frozen and pre-proved. Oh, really? Raw. Yep. Wow. And um, and just literally bake them frozen. And you can still get margin on that. Amazing. We don't. We get it. We get it through a supplier, fresh yeah. supplier. Yeah. yeah. Which I'll, I, I'll probably know the guy you get it off. Yeah. Because um, I buy, if it's the guy I'm thinking of, I buy a five liter French mustard off him once a year, and um, and he sells me some French baking flour as well. Yeah, that would be them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'll um, have to. I'll have to hit him up. The croissants are amazing, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, for us. That was that was probably the first item we had on the first day. We yep. pretty much just had croissants. And yeah, because yeah. uh, we started we started quite abruptly, and I was really unprepared. And uh, but I, I knew about these croissants, and and we ordered them and tested them a few weeks before, and uh, I was really happy with them. And so because we're in this arcade, it has this double entrance at Edward Street and Queen Street, and you know you know that subway principle of the smell will get you in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I th- uh, Everywhere you walk in Europe, it's, you can just smell yeah, butter. Yeah, that, that, that baking, that baking yeah. butter smell. And the butter smell. Like, you know, we, I haven't smelt that for a long time. Yeah. And and and, uh, and so that's how we sort of got the first few people in. It Because yeah. it would flow out to Queen Street, the flow out to Edward Street, and it would be this buttery smell from your childhood. You and, know? and those, like, um, I'm the sort of guy that I want to try something to see how easy or how hard it is mm. to do. So... Um, the one I've done recently is soap. Been making mine soap, and it's surprisingly easy. Did you use um, uh, animal fat? No, I used milk. Oh wow! So if you make what they call a cold process soap, um, you freeze the milk, and you add the caustic to the milk, and then you use olive oil, coconut oil. Okay, good. That's what that is. Um, I'm using beeswax because I've got bees, mm. and then. I'm using some stuff out of the garden, so some comfrey. Um, wow, that's so cool. But with the cold process, so, so yeah. when you add the caustic, so you basically have like a milk slurry, mm. like a slushy. Mm. And when you add the caustic, because it normally heats up, when you mm. add it to water in normal soap, mm. that's where you get the fumes and you've got yep. to be really careful if you get it on your skin and it'll yeah. burn. But with the cold process soap, when you add it in, all it does is basically melt, melt the milk and the, the process is a lot calmer and a lot less toxic so it's, it's really easy to make so what sort of soap do you get out of it um, is it a, a, just a normal soap you can a body soap yep cleans yep absorbs oils well, L- so lather so. good lather nice and hard because the beeswax makes it go really hard uh, you get that honey smell from the beeswax mm. not from honey I found out mm. adding honey basically does not much at all interesting um, yeah. so 
Yeah. That's so cool. How many hives have you got? Just the one at the moment. I had two and I lost one to um, small hive beetle. Yeah, It was right. a bit small. My dad, my dad's Greek and he uh, lives in the city. Yeah. And he has an illegal 10 hives. <laughs> oh, really? Look, the, the He declares two, I think, because I have to the, fill the forms out for him. The, the city is amazing because I was up the sunny coast in suburbia, and suburbia is the same. Like, yeah. You're actually way better off keeping bees in the city in Brisbane why? than you are in country because of the variety of the flower. Is that why? Because the flavour is intense. Yeah. So like, And it changes a lot. My valley is mostly lantana, and then you know I have some natives and there's a few sort of things around and obviously the the fruit trees I grow in my orchard are good but I was up the sunny coast on the weekend and we were going for runs me and my mate and we're running down the sort of one of the main drags um, in Caloundra and they've planted all these natives Mm. along the, 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 the four lanes to sort of protect the suburbs from the noise yeah right and there would have been 50 or 60 different types of tree there. So you're getting all these different types of blossoms. Yeah, and then okay. you walk along and, you know, this person's got this type of flower garden and this okay. person's got this, you know. Th- th- so you th- get more complexity in the, in the more honey. More complexity, more variety. You get a longer, a much longer um, flow because different things are flowering at different times of year. Whereas my valley sort of has one flow a year and that's about okay. it. Um, that makes sense. Uh, uh, like... Eventually, like, I'm planting fruit trees and I'm planting stuff for the bees, so eventually it won't matter. I'll, mm. I'll get that diversity mm. in my own place. But mm. I said to Andy, because they're renting, I said, mate, if you buy a place, stick a hive on your roof because, mm. like, you'll get so much honey every year. Mm. It's just I couldn't believe the blossom. Yeah, the, the, the hives and, and the whole sort of bee colony thing fascinate me. I find it so fascinating. And uh, watching my dad, he spins the honey. Yeah, I'm assuming like you do. Well, I've actually just moved to the this flow hive system. You know okay. where it cracks the hive, like these new plastic frames, and you crack the hive and it just drains out. Oh. So you don't actually. So no centrifuge. Don't you don't even open the hive. You don't take the frame out. Whoa. So it's 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 like a slightly wider hive, and it's. Um, so how do you break it? So you, if you can imagine like a, a, a honey cell and imagine it sort of two halves yep. and then what you do is you put a key in the top and you twist it and it cracks the hive and Whoa. then they sort of flow down into a channel in the bottom and that just drains out into a bucket. And then when it's finished, you crack it back up, the bees get in and clean it out and start again. That's cool. So the advantages of that would be... You're not killing mainly, any bees. You're not killing bees. You're not, you're not disturbing the hive, like you're just letting the hive do what they want. There's less wax removal. Okay. Um, a little bit like spinning out a, a frame and putting it straight back into the hive and letting them, you know, which is what the pro- professional beekeepers do. Yeah. Um, I think that's what my dad does, maybe. Yeah, it, puts well, it back in. straight back in, because then they're not building back out, whereas I, before, I used to just, I'd take, I'd only take one frame at a time, yep. and I'd cut it right out and melt the wax down, so I'd have nice clean wax every time. But I'm, okay. not, I'm not really after a lot of honey. No. I'm, I'm more trying to keep my fruit and veg um, happy. That's what that's what I'm yeah, trying that's to do. Good. So. Wow. So, so do you, what do you grow? I've got uh, I've got about twenty fruit trees. Sort of all in that stage, that pre-production stage, I guess. You know, it takes three or four years to, for them yeah. to get up to producing. And this is just to be just for your yeah yeah just for home use. So, but you also work. Yes, 
So who looks at how, where? How does how do you get to? <laughs> I've also got I've also got two year old twins and a four year old. Oh, so I uh, haven't done much in the last probably eighteen months, two years. And is your wife kind of into into the mm. agree thing as well? No, Not she enjoys the produce part yeah, okay. of it, and she That's enjoys good. the serenity of our place. Yeah. But no, she's not into the. And like, I'm actually, I'm a terrible gardener. I've, I've actually just sort of hit on um, getting the, the fruit trees going by oh, my my grey water pump died. Yeah, right. And I bought a new uh, one that had a much bigger flow. And now I've got uh, the grey water goes like one every mm. day. I move it onto a new fruit tree. And the growth I've had since I've started doing that is just amazing. Just that oh, wow. that constant water that's and grey water's you know high in nutrient. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's I'm, I'm, cool. ki- I'm kicking myself that I've been there for eight years and the water always just went off down the hill, and I could yeah. have been I could have been really Using pushing it. the fruit trees. So. Um, and what about vegetables? Uh, mostly like leafy greens, tomatoes, mm. uh, rocket. Um, yeah, my dad grows almost exactly the same stuff. He doesn't do much fruit, though. Yeah, well, see, fruits that, like, especially with three kids, um, fruit, and when I had the cows, and I'm just about to get my cows back, they've just been off getting pregnant. Fruit and milk, um, A, stuff you grow and, mm. and, and make yourself like that tastes really good. And kids respond well to stuff that tastes well. Yeah. Um, you know, I know if I get a bad... Mm batch of apples from the supermarket they're just mm. no, not it's not, the worst thing not really interested it's the worst thing when they're bad um, that's so good I, I'm still amazed how you get time to do <laughs> well you sort of do little bits and, and pieces so yeah okay um, and occasionally I'll take a day off and yeah do, just a, do, do a chunk or yeah. Vanessa I'll take the kids to the grandparents and I'll do yeah. I'll do a day that's pretty cool that's very very cool but I've just I've just planted some really interesting ones I've got a tropical cherry so it's like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen a Brazilian cherry. No. A Brazilian cherry looks a little bit like a pumpkin, like a really small pumpkin. Okay. And it, and it has a very big seed in the middle okay. of it. And it's it's sort of, uh, it's tart and sweet. So the, the first taste you'll get is real tart. And then it's got a bit of sweet right. aftertaste. And then the, the Guramachina, the tropical cherry, is a... Uh, sort of a cross between a normal cherry mm. and the Brazilian cherry. Right. Um, Where do you get those seeds from? So uh, the, the plants. I get all my fruit all trees from um, Daly's at Kyogre. Okay. I should get you to, um, I should get my dad to give you some of his stuff because he's he's got stuff from Greece. Yeah, right. Oh, any cool tomato varieties. I'd, I'd, he's got some good tomatoes. Yeah. And he's running to tomatoes and he's got um, these things, uh, again, similar setup to you guys where dad, his hobby, his sport, his everything is the garden. Yeah. And mum is a really good cook. Yep. So it's a win-win situation. Well, that's the thing I really like about producing your own stuff. Um, like, the two cheeses I did the most when I was milking heaps was feta and halloumi. Mm. And fresh halloumi is nothing... It's like mm. almost like a different cheese, different cheese. To, the, to the halloumi you buy in the supermarket. Yeah. It's softer. Yeah. It's, it, it takes the flavour up a lot more. Yeah. And so if you make a salad with that in it mm. and give it to someone like you, you blow them away you yeah. haven't, you're not really that good a chef or that good no. a cook but it's just that the produce itself is awesome yeah it's just that one killer yep. ingredient that yeah. really makes a difference exactly um, he's also got some um, these long green super light green capsicum slash chilies oh okay um, with very little heat you just get the random one that's yeah. got it, they're quite long 
they're almost like banana chilies, but not as big and not as sweet. Yeah, okay. They're, and mum pickles them. Oh, right. And she's got jars of them. The, the one, my favourite thing to do with, um, I love um, harissa. Yeah. It's one of my favourite things. Mm. And so, uh, I like, uh, I, I've got a cold smoker. And so I cold smoke the capsicums or chilies, anything mm. I get like that, cold smoke them and then rub the, the skin off them. Yeah. And then blitz them up in the harissa. Yeah, nice. And every time I get a different chili, I try it. Yeah, and right. you just get... Like, I like harissa because it's so... Uh, the, the recipe's sort of not set in stone and that's yeah. the sort of cooking Absolutely. I like to do. You know, yeah, it's not like same. you must follow these four yeah. steps. It's like, well, you've got to have garlic, you've got to have some sort of chili, mm. lemon juice, and then yeah. some spices. That's and, right. Um, that's right. Um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's really admirable when people do grow their own stuff preserve their own stuff use it eat it I yeah. think I think it's really cool um, and more people should be doing it you know and it's just even like when we lived in Red Hill I had chickens mm. and I grew asparagus mm. and some tomatoes mm. but even just the, a few little things makes a bit of a difference huge difference dad's got uh, chooks as well dad literally has a farm in his backyard Holy well, moly, you should, you should definitely check it out. I, I'm spewing because when I was there, there's this little sort of, you know, um, terrace house in Red Hill, like on the on, on, on a hill. Yeah, Red mm. Hill's pretty steep. Mm. And um, I planted a lime tree in the front. Like, uh, the front yard was literally this this big, the, the size of this table, you yeah. know, two metres by four metres sort of thing. And I used to have to lift the mower onto it and mow this little scrap of lawn. It used to drive me nuts. <laughs> so one day I'm like, screw this, ripped up the lawn, Put a lime tree. What else did I put in? Maybe some pineapples or something, mm. and then just mulched it, and then just put the washing water out. Okay. Out, out the good idea. Out the thing, and I never got a lime off it, but I went past I don't know, probably eighteen months ago, and this tree is like six foot high. Beautiful. Fucking covered <laughs> in limes. I was like, oh man, and it's a rental. It's because. <laughs> This this house has it's got like cracks in the foundation and yeah. like to fix it up yeah right and turn it into like you know a really high end Red Hill house would cost bucket loads of money. money so I think you know someone sells it, someone buys it has big ideas looks at the price and goes no nah, I'll just rent it out <laughs> and the so, lime yeah, tree keeps growing I'm sure there's been a lot of coronas that have been populated by that lime tree that's excellent um, one thing I've also when we were talking about meat before that I've been really enjoying lately and really um, doing a lot more of is using a lot more um, fat okay. in my food and uh, um, I bought uh, I don't know if so do you, you will you be slaughtering your no yours will be dairy cattle won't they uh, so I have a farmer mate that, live, that has a property next door to me that it's not he doesn't live there but it's he runs cattle on it and stuff mm. so he does a whole heap of odd jobs with his equipment that's better than mine mm. and he gets my calves oh, okay. that's the deal so he takes my cows off to another place of his with his bull and right. gets it pregnant does a bit of fencing does a bit of excavator mm. work and he just gets the calves mm. and he throws them on the grass and they go to they go to the abattoir and he makes a bit of money out of them yeah i think um you know because lard and lard and uh, dripping is something we used to use a lot more yeah um, many years ago until uh, things changed. Mm, well, lard um, roast potatoes are it's the best up there. <laughs> and uh, and I was looking for a uh, good Australian gra- grass-fed source of oh, okay. of uh, tallow or dripping. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, and I just found one last week. I can't remember the name, but it was a big bucket full, and and it had a nice colour to it too. It wasn't that pure white yeah. colour, so you know it's grass fed. You know yeah. it's got these amazing nutrients, and uh, and we've been deep frying a, oh, lot, a lot at home. Yeah, yeah. just uh, not super high speed deep frying. Yeah. So so growing up, Mum used to fry chips for us. Yeah. Right. But you know how, you know, the classic French method is you fry it twice. Yeah, cook twice, yeah. Yeah, um, at a really high temperature. So mum always used olive oil. Every Greek I know always used to deep fry in olive oil. Yeah. I... But never really high. Okay. So she would put, she'd dry her chips, put them in. Yeah. And literally, they'd be fried for maybe 15 minutes. She'd minutes. keep checking on them. Yeah. At, at a low temp. And you would still get crispiness. You'd still get a little bit of mudge in the center to be on how you cut them. It was a really good way to fry it, and you could use the oil again. It wouldn't go rancid. It wouldn't. It wouldn't go as a high temperature. Yeah. Okay. So I thought, well, I, I really want to get more saturated fat into my family's diet. So um, I bought this this tallow, and I thought I'm not going to freak them out and, and you know just have a pot of you know of dripping uh, frying away because I'll smell the difference straight away. Yeah. So I've been sort of putting a, a few tablespoons in with the olive oil slowly. Yeah. And it's been really good. You know, it's been really good because I find that. I find the good thing about saturated fat is, is nutrient-wise, it's extremely dense yep. and extremely good for you. Um, and there are no cardiac issues with it at all. And um, but the thing for me, I used to eat a lot. I used to be a really big guy. Yeah. And I used to eat a lot when I was on a low-fat diet for ten years, and yeah. I, I became huge. And and so um, I, uh, when I switched onto fat, I, I realized that I, for my body type and my metabolism, I need fat. Yep. To act as um, punctuation to my appetite. Yep. Um, so I find it really satiating, and I just don't. I just don't eat as much. Yep. So we'll, you know, if I do make chips for everyone or, or uh, chicken wings, which I will just deep fry and then make the buffalo sauce, um, we just eat less of it. Yeah, that's right. You do, don't you? If yeah. Good chip. You eat less of it, and because the fat is so satisfying, like it, it stops you eating earlier. Yep. So you just don't overeat. You yeah. Know? I, I, when I do a pork roast, um, I'll drain the fat off and mm. use it the next day. And I just do chips like parboil them, dry them off, like even so they're quite cold, Beautiful. so they're really dry. Yeah. But then I just do them in the oven in that pork yeah, fat nice. and just turn them over. Yeah. Um, and you just get so crunchy. Beautiful. So crunchy chips. Yeah, I think I think it's good that, that we're starting to look at animal fat again and having a science background. Um, for me, I, I you know I researched the hell out of out of, out of it once yeah. I, I realised, and uh, so it's good. But I think there's a, there's a lot of fear of fat out there still. Oh, um, yeah. Well, you just look at shame. the you look at the pork that Australians mm. buy, and ninety percent of it is so lean, it's ridiculously oh. lean. So yeah. So anyway, Mike, we better wind this up so we can uh, these guys can open up. But uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Bizo. Thanks no for having me. Cheers. Good chat. Oh, have you got anything you want to plug? Are you Not getting in a you don't, no. don't want to plug the uh, the restaurant. No. I'll, I'll put a link in so people can yeah, go and find great. it. I've got Thank a I've got a couple of uh, uh, mates that work for the government in the city, so um, yeah, they'll either know you already or you'll be seeing a couple of new customers. So. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> Cheers, Mike. So, so tell me about your um, so the company you work for, the meat 